What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we're just two days away from the start of the 2022 NFL draft. I know it's been a long, long draft cycle process, especially for Dolphins fans who don't have as much to look forward to on the opening round of the NFL draft Thursday night. The Dolphins obviously sending a bunch of their 2022 picks, including their first and second rounder to the Kansas City Chiefs for wide receiver Tyree Kill. So like Chris Greer said last week, I guess Dolphins fans can just... uh, load up YouTube, watch a bunch of Tyree Kill highlights and enjoy the opening round, the first round of the NFL draft. But the Dolphins still do have four picks on days two and three of the NFL draft. And they're expected to be active uh, in looking for additions to this team. Uh, And I want to devote this episode to break down some players who I think are perfect fits, prospects who Dolphins fans should have their eyes on as we shift into day two, get to the third round, and then obviously day three of the NFL draft. Um, We've produced a bunch of content um, at Miami Hero, MiamiHero.com in terms of uh, potential prospects to watch, um, draft visits, everything in between. So definitely check that out and definitely keep an eye out for the MiamiHero.com. Uh, as we transition into this draft weekend, we're going to have a ton of content keeping you up to date uh, with who the Dolphins select, as well as some other coverage, whether there's some UM, FIU, and other uh, local products selected in the NFL draft. But I want to get to some positions that I think are definite uh, areas of need or depth uh, as we enter the NFL draft. And I kind of break it down to, to three uh, different positions. I think the Dolphins should really have their eyes out in terms of upgrading and adding depth. Now, the number one spot is offensive line. I know the Dolphins have has, have devoted a lot of resources and free agency in terms of signing Toronto Armstead, signing Connor, Connor Williams, uh, getting some new offensive line and some offensive coaches in the fold. But I think this is a position that could still use some depth, particularly the interior offensive line, and even more specifically at center. Now, we all know that Chris Greer said he's going to add competition for Michael Dieter, the three-year player who has played at left guard and center in his young career. Uh, Chris Greer is still very bullish on Dieter, who played eight games but missed about half the season to injury last year. Um, But he did say that there's going to be some competition and the most logical uh, path to add some competition, add some depth is uh, through the draft. Um, As we spoke to him last week, Greer did say that he thinks there's a lot of depth uh, in at the offensive line. So that's perfect news for a team that's not selecting into the third round, number 102 to be specific. um, And then has uh, an extra three picks um, on day three of the NFL draft. Um, I think that there's also a possibility or um, definitely a potential to add some depth and offensive tackle. Like I said, I know the team signed Tron Armstead. He's going to be the left tackle. Um, it looks like Michael Dieter, or excuse me, Liam Eichenberg and Austin Jackson are going to kind of buy and, and compete for that right tackle spot. But I think even behind them, you definitely want to make sure that you have some capable players that can step in in case of injury. Um, we all know of Toronto Armstead's injury history. Um, he hasn't played a full season in some time. Um, he's been nicked up in, in recent years, and there's a potential that he could he could miss games. So you definitely want to have some insurance, have a guy who can step in and maybe not completely fill the void uh, of an all-pro Pro Bowl player like Toronto Armstead, but definitely get the job done and still hold down the fort if he does miss time. And on the right side, on, and on the right side too as well. 
Um, we still don't know how Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson are going to rebound from some some a tough 2021 season. Um, it remains to be seen how they're going to um, look in this new offensive scheme, which is going to prioritize um, zone running. So again, I think that it definitely makes sense to add a developmental tackle. If you can get somebody in the third or fourth round um, who has experience at both tackle spots or at one tackle spot and guard, I think that's great. And it'd be good to add a guy into the rotation. Uh, next is running back. Yes, running back. I know the Dolphins were very active in filling that uh, that position of need as well in free agency, signing Chase Edmonds, signing Raheem Mostert, um, re-signing Savon Ahmed, and they have Miles Gaskin back uh, in the fold. They even signed a fullback, Alec Ingold, who's going to play a lot of snaps in 2022. But I do think that this is a sneaky, sneaky position of need. Um, when you look at the Dolphins roster in that depth chart, only one running back is signed past the 2022 season, and that's Chase Edmonds. Gaskin, uh, Ahmed, and Mostert are all free agents or scheduled unrestricted free agents after the 2022 season. Um, so you don't know. I mean, that could be a position where the Dolphins can get some young blood in there, um, get a guy on a, on a young, on a cheap four-year rookie contract, uh, maybe have him can. Uh, contribute on special teams um, and and then eventually kind of come into the fold and then buy for some snaps. I mean, if you look at uh, Mike McDaniel's history um, with the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, they ran through running backs, um, whether that was because of injury or whether that was just because of riding with the guy who had a hot hand. Um, so again, it is a crowded backfield right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if we get later on in day three, they have two seventh round picks. Maybe they do take a guy uh, that can, that's a young running back with that uh, seventh round pick. Um, and then the last position, I think the Dolphins are actually two more spots. Um, and I was, was flipped to the defensive side, um, defensive line. That is a position that has a lot of depth, um, but could use a, a slight infusion uh, of, of youth. Um, the Dolphins did sign Emmanuel Agba. Um, they did sign John Jenkins, Benito Jones. Those are all guys who figured to be in the defensive line rotation. But the Dolphins did struggle to rush the passer and defend the run, especially early on in that season, um, in that uh, 2021 season, when they got off to that one and seven start. Um, we all know that um, you know they had some injuries on their on their defensive line with Raekwon Davis. He missed about three games after suffering a knee injury in the uh, season opener. Um, the run defense did struggle during that time, so it'd be nice to add um, a young defensive lineman, a developmental defensive lineman who can play the nose, who can switch um, along the defensive line, maybe play defensive end, play a little defensive tackle. I think that go a long way. And the last position that I think the Dolphins need to address this weekend, and this might be the top need, uh, depending on who you speak to, is inside linebacker. We know that they ran it back with their inside linebacker core, signing Sam uh, Aguavin, um, signing Duke Riley, signing Alandon Roberts. Those guys all contribute in really, really nice ways. But I think that they could use some real dynamic athleticism um, and playmaking at that position next to Jerome Baker. Um, we know that Jerome Baker has moved a lot, moved uh, around a lot on that defense, playing some inside linebacker, playing some outside linebacker, um, playing wide nine. Um, so if they do really want to use him in that versatile role, 
I think it help. It would help to have a guy, an inside linebacker, who has the size to defend the run, but also has the athleticism um, to play coverage. Um, and you know, it's not a guy that you have to take off the field in any various uh, circumstance. So those are a couple of positions of need that I think the Dolphins should address this week. Whether they do address all those spots, um, that remains to be seen. They do only have four picks. So there's not a lot of flexibility flexibility there i do expect them to kind of move around on day three and try to maybe recoup an extra fifth rounder or sixth rounder just so they can have another crack at the bat to get a guy uh to draft the guy before they uh, resort to the undrafted free agent pool which i think they're going to be very very um aggressive and active in seeing as they only have four picks um but it's going to be interesting to see how chris greer um in that front office kind of goes about the week now as we kind of transition into uh um looking into who the Dolphins should um, target, some perfect fits for the team. I want to start on offense, and I want to start with a hometown uh, kid in James Cook, Georgia running back. I know a lot of people are familiar with him. Um, He capped off um, his college career uh, right at Hard Rock, uh, one of his final games where he had a great performance on route to Georgia's championship run. Um, and I think that he would be a great, great pick for that number 102 slot. Um, you know, he's a running back, but I wouldn't even say that he projects as a running back in the NFL. Um, I, I would classify him as a do-it-all Swiss Army knife. Um, dare I say a Debo Samuel-like role. Um, if you look at his college tape at Georgia, he was a guy who did it all. I mean, he got the ball on standard handoffs. He got the ball on screen passes, but he also flexed out a lot and he was a wide receiver. There's a whole bunch of clips and highlights of him running great routes, um, getting behind defenses. And if you look at his build, he's kind of built like a wide receiver. You know, the, the knock on him is that he doesn't really have the size to hold up, um, hold up as a as a every down running back. But I love this fit um, in a Mike McDaniel led offense that he says, hey, we're going to tailor this offense to what what our players do best. Um, so with him, with James Cook, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, he you, you can give him the ball in, in the zone scheme. You can flex him out wide. You can put him in the slot, and he can run routes almost as well as a wide receiver. So I love that fit as just one of those guys where, you know, the, he doesn't have a position. He can do it all, um, and he's a playmaker, and that's that's what you want in this Mike McDaniel offense. Um, James Cook projects as a day two, maybe – uh, early day three guy. I'm not sure if he lasts all the way to that 125 pick that the Dolphins have in the fourth round, but at 102, um, if he's the best player on the Dolphins board and they pick him over an interior offensive lineman or a linebacker, I would not be mad at that selection just because of how dynamic a playmaker he is. The next offensive player uh, I want to look at is another running back. He's come, uh, coming from the FS, uh, FCS level, South Dakota State's running back, uh, Pierre Strong Jr. Now, he's a burner. We've heard all offseason about how Mike McDaniel loves speed. He loves guys who can get behind defense. Pierre Strong can do that. Um, again, he was played at the FCS level, not necessarily the talent level of the FBS and you know programs like Georgia and all those Power Five conferences. But he he he's a he's a he's a speed guy, and he was one of the most productive running backs in the FCS for a couple of years. Uh, he ran a four three seven at the combine. He played in his own scheme, so he's familiar with the offense or the offensive uh, scheme that Mike McDaniel is implementing in Miami. Um, there are questions about the three down capability. You know, he's not a proven receiver. Um, he doesn't have uh, the the size necessarily of a 
every down running back. But I don't think that's going to be a problem with Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins because this offense is going to rely more on a committee than uh, than a bell cow at running back. So if he's a guy that gets 10, 12 carries a game, that's no problem because the Dolphins are going to have somebody else to have about 10, 12 carries and another guy to have maybe five to six carries. And they're going to ration out those uh, those touches for the most part in their backfield. Um, interesting, interestingly enough, when I was doing some research and, and looking into prospects, um, Bleacher Report listed Pierre Strong's uh, comparison as Elijah Mitchell. And for those who don't know, Elijah Mitchell uh, was a six round pick of the San Francisco 49ers. Mike McDaniel, obviously, uh, coached him last year. So there's a comp there. Um, so again, I think that uh, he's projected to go in, in day three, whether that's four or five or six or seven. Um, I think that's definitely the sweet spot for the Dolphins because, as we know, they have shown a reluctance to pick a running back early on in the draft. Um, they're not even going to have that opportunity now picking um, the third round to start off. But I love Pierre Strong as a guy who might not be the leader in the backfield in year one. But again, the Dolphins have a lot of guys who are coming uh, on expiring contracts. Um, if maybe there's some turnover in the backfield, he's a guy who can learn the ropes in year one, in year two, really lead a committee. And I think that'd be a really strong pick on day three. And the last guy who I want to highlight on the offensive side before we uh, hit a short break is Arizona State offensive lineman Donovan West. Like we said before, the Dolphins need somebody who's going to provide some depth and competition for Michael Dieter. And I think this is the guy to do that. Uh, Donovan West is a multi-year starter at Arizona State who played at every single interior offensive line spot. That's left guard, center, and right guard. Um, he played in a zone scheme at Arizona State as well. So there is some uh, some knowledge there. He has the lateral quickness and the uh, athleticism that the coaches are seeking in an offensive lineman because, again, this is not uh, an offensive scheme where you're necessarily driving guys off the ball, but you're trying to move laterally and get into certain spots and seal guys to allow for cutback lanes for your running backs. He has the the speed and the athleticism to do that. And one thing that I really, really like about Donovan West is that he's a very, very young prospect. He doesn't turn 21 until two weeks after the draft. So if you're looking at high upside, um, I mean, it gets no better than taking one of the youngest, but one of the more talented offensive line prospects in the draft. Um, the one knock on him is that he does need to add some weight. Um, again, you know, it's not all speed. There is a strength element to being an offensive lineman in the zone running scheme. Um, he weighed in at 296 pounds at the combine. So um, he will need to add some strength. But again, he's so young that the hope is that, you know, his frame and his kind of man body, so to speak, is just developing. Um, so he's a day two early day three guy who I think would be another home run pick um, if the Dolphins can get him at 102, 125. Um, he doesn't necessarily have to start at center day one. He could be one of their, one of the eight active guys um, on game day, just because he has that versatility. And then you kind of develop and groom him into that starting role over time. So those are three guys who I think would be great fits for the Dolphins on offense. Um, if, like I said before, if you go to MiamiHero.com, you can look at all the draft previews um, at five various positions that I detailed over the past two weeks. Um, and you'll see a couple guys, a couple more guys who I think are good fits for the Dolphins. But those are just a few for uh, this podcast. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, I'm going to hit the defensive side uh, where I look at where the Dolphins can add some depth at linebacker and defensive line. So stay locked with us. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on? Still talking Dolphins and the draft. Uh, here on the Dolphins in Depth podcast, um, first round is scheduled for Thursday night. And then we get uh, rounds two and three on Friday. And then we wrap things up with the final four rounds uh, on day three, Saturday. Um, and like I said, it's going to be a going to be a slow start to things for the Dolphins. Um, but as we start to transition into day, to day two and obviously day three, things should definitely pick up for the Dolphins. Um, in the first half, we touched on some offensive players who I think would be great fits for Miami um, in days two and three. And on the second half of the things, things I want to touch on the defensive side of the ball, where we saw the Dolphins run it back. They brought just about every single contributor on defense uh, back for the 2022 season, uh, most notably um, Emmanuel Agba, all their inside linebackers, uh, Brandon Scarlett, an outside linebacker, um, and giving new deals to their top cornerback, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Byron Jones obviously getting a restructure. Uh, so as, as we look at potential additions on defense, I, I don't think that we're looking at somebody who's going to maybe be like Javon Holland and, you know, start from, you know, almost day one and be a massive contributor. But I do think that the Dolphins could use some depth. Um, as I said before, at linebacker and at defensive line for this group in 2022. And I want to start with um, a, a pair of linebackers who I think would be great potential future three down uh, linebackers next to Jerome Baker, as I said before. The first is Georgia linebacker Channing Tindall. Now, Tindall actually visited the Dolphins on a pre-draft visit um, as they did their quote-unquote 30 visits, bringing in 30 prospects um, to the facility. Um, and, and I think that he has the dynamic athleticism that the Dolphins need in the middle of their defense. Um, he ran a 4-4-7 at the combine. Um, he's 6'1", 230 pounds. Um, 6'1", maybe on the on the, on the the shorter side um, for a linebacker, but I think that more or less that's kind of the, the size and the archetype uh, for the modern-day linebacker that we're seeing um, in the NFL today where cover is kind of um, prioritized more than run defense. Um, he was an excellent blitzer at, uh, at Georgia. He finished with, I think, about uh, 6.5 sacks this past season, which was third uh, on that team. Um, he was kind of more supporting cast than lead actor um, in a Georgia defense that we all know was stacked. They have maybe two, three, four guys who are going to go in, in the first round alone. Um, but he held his own. I think that that's the one question about him. It's, you know, whether getting a bigger role will impact his impact, will, will you know, change his impact um, 
on the game. You know, he played only about 30 snaps a game. Usually on defense, you're looking at 50, closer to 60. Um, so the question is kind of isolated from that Georgia defense um, of uh, full of stars. Is he going to have the same impact? Um, there are some questions maybe about coverage and his ability to kind of be in the right spot. Um, but again, I think that as a day three guy, um, I think he's a steal. He has speed. He, he has pretty uh, decent size for the position, given um, kind of where the, the NFL is going to with inside linebackers. Um, and I think he's a guy where, you know, the Dolphins, all the inside linebackers that they resigned, they got those guys on one year deals. So there's no telling what's going to happen in 2022. But if you got like Channing Tindall, if you got a guy like that, you pair him next to Jerome, you can move Jerome around. Shoot, you might be able to move Channing around. I think that, you know, you're looking at a really, really strong inside linebacker pair for the next four or five years. Um, the next linebacker who I think would be a great fit in this defense is Brandon Smith. So we just talked about how Channing Tindall is maybe on the shorter size um, for a linebacker. That's not the case for Brandon Smith. He's 6'3", 250 pounds. He's giving you the 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 modern, not the modern day, but the old school, uh, you know, archetype in terms of an inside linebacker. Um, but he's not a slouch in terms of speed. You know, a lot of times we see these bigger guys as not having um, the athleticism and the speed to match, but he has that. He ran a 4.52 at the combine, which is not which is actually pretty good for a guy that size. Um, and I like him because he comes with the size and the measurables to play the run, but he also has a lot of experience and coverage. Um, interesting enough at Penn State, he played in the slot a lot where they would drop into zone coverages and he played in the slot where, um, you know, he dropped back into coverage. He blitz from there. He'd obviously play the run from that, uh, from that position. So he has a lot of familiarity with zone coverages, um, route combinations, um, you know, where to be, being in the right spot. Um, and, and I like the fact that he's young. He's 21. Uh, he, or he doesn't turn 21. Um, I, I think I actually think he recently turned 21. So he's another young prospect who has a lot of upside. Now that kind of comes with its downsides and its cons where, um, you know, I think the knock on him says his instincts are still developing. You know, maybe sometimes he's not in the right spot because he just hasn't played um, as much ball and seen as much as, uh, as much. But again, um, with a guy like Brandon Smith, who is young, who has everything you want in terms of, you know, the measurables at the position. Um, and again, I think that the, the big thing for the Dolphins is having a guy who can, who can do both roles. Um, it's nice to have guys who can contribute in different spots. Atlanta Roberts being that early down guy, um, you know, Sam McGuire being a blitzer, Duke Riley maybe being a guy who can play coverage more. Um, but if you get a guy who can, who is the total package, you can do it all. Um, you hit the lottery. You know, it's uh, there's not a lot of inside linebackers that can do that. But I think Brandon Smith um, has that potential. And he's another uh, day two, early day three guy who I think falls again in that range of 102 in the third round for the Dolphins or 125. And I'd love uh, to get him in the building and kind of work with some of those veterans and develop him as a young guy down the line. The last guy who I want to touch on, who I think is a perfect fit for the Dolphins, is a defensive lineman. And that's San Diego State defensive lineman Cameron Thomas. Uh, now, Thomas was another very, very productive um, defensive lineman, another, one of the most productive defensive linemen um, in the NFL. I mean, if you look at the top of the draft, you know, you have guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, those guys are supposed to go top five. Um, Cameron Thomas, I mean, his production was on par with those guys 
especially the past couple of years. Um, he's a bit of a tweener, though, in terms of um, he, him not necessarily fitting in perfectly at the defensive end or defensive tackle. He's about 6'4", 267 pounds. Um, so again, he kind of falls um, in the tweener role in terms of like not knowing where to play him. But I think that's no problem from a Dolphins defense um, who loves guys who are versatile and can play in different spots. Um, Cameron Thomas has the power to, um, to line up over offensive tackles play on the edge and set the run. But he's also a pretty quick guy for that size. And I think that he has an advantage advantage moving him inside on passing downs um, and using his quickness against some slower footed offensive guards. Um, so again, this is a defense that, as I said before, struggled to stop the run. It struggled to um, rush the passer in the first half of the season. Um, when Raycon Davis went down, um, that run defense, we did see uh, a drop off in it. Um, and the Dolphins love to rotate guys through that uh, defensive line. We see Zach Sealer and Adam Butler play significant uh, snaps. And I think Cameron Thomas is a guy who fits perfectly in terms of his versatility um, and, and upside, not only in the run game, but in the past game. Um, so he's a day two guy. Um, he might go uh, in the second round, which obviously the Dolphins don't have a second round pick. But if he drops into that that third round um, slot, I think that that's another guy who might not be or he wouldn't be a day one starter. You know, he's going to play behind um, Agba and Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis. Um, but he's a really, really good fit in a rotation of a really, really good defensive lineman. So those are a bunch of guys um, who I think are good fits on offense and defense. As I said before, um, if you go to MiamiHerald.com, we've been posting a ton of content um, on draft previews. I had a mock draft that went up Tuesday uh, afternoon. So check that out and see who I had going to the Dolphins. Um, we've had a bunch of inf uh, information on some visits, got some intel on who's been in the Dolphins facility and could potentially be making their way back to South Florida in the coming days. So definitely check that out. Um, and as I said, again, also, um, you know, we're going to have water wall coverage of the NFL draft this week, starting Thursday night. If there's any anything that happens with the Dolphins, which is not expected, but if something does happen, uh, we're going to be there to cover it as well as on day two and day three, as well as uh, the local products, whether that's um, UM or just South Florida natives who get picked. We're going to have a ton of coverage on the Herald's website, so you definitely, definitely want to be um, you know checking out for that, as well as. Uh, after the draft as the Dolphins start to bring in some undrafted free agents and guys who kind of slip through the cracks. So it's going to be a really, really exciting time. Um, I know it's been, like I said, it's been a long process. Um, we finally here. So we're going to see who the Dolphins uh, bring in. It's kind of their next class uh, and the next crop of players. Um, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in depth podcast. I want to thank you guys so much again for tuning in. Um, it's going to be a real busy next couple of days. Um, but we're going to be there all the way to wrap it up. And we'll be back next week to recap another week of Dolphins football. But until then, you guys take care. See you.